We have tons of technology and a plethora of portals, but we still have consumers who don't know what they don't know about how to use all of these tools effectively. What will solve the problem? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change that you want to see. Here's your host and chief transformation strategist, David Saltzman. This episode of the Shift Shapers podcast is brought to you by Captivated Health, a captive insurance arrangement designed specifically for educational institutions. If you have clients in that vertical, you know the healthcare deck has been stacked against them. Today, Captivated Health offers the stability, control, and savings they've been waiting for. For more information, go to www.captivatedhealth.com or click on the company logo on the Shift Shapers website. How can you be the first to know about each week's podcast and get on the list for special listener-only content? It's simple. Go to shiftshapersonline.com and click the subscribe button. On this episode of Shift Shapers, we're pleased to welcome back Julian Lago, who is president of Benazon. Benazon specializes in making life easier for consumers, and Julian has done an extensive study of that part of the market. What you need to know about Julian is that the first half of his career He was a frontline sales guy, just like a lot of our listeners. So when you listen to Julian talk about these constructs and theoretical things that we can do to move the market along, understand that he's coming from the same perspective as a lot of our listeners. He's coming from the perspective of what works in a frontline sales kind of situation. And with that, Julian, welcome back. How are you, David? Good to be with you. Thanks. Let's just start with the 800-pound gorilla. We've got tons of technology and a plethora of portals. We have exchanges up the wazoo. We've got all kinds of quoting mechanisms and stuff. Has any of this really helped consumers? Well, Dave, certainly I think many consumers are starting to get comfortable with it. I think overall, the internet and tools are becoming, think about our iPhone as one of our first sources of information that wasn't the case years ago, but it, you know, handheld devices and really seeking out information on the internet is really becoming more and more commonplace. We still got to get the long way to go to get the consumer there though. We just don't have the engagement we'd like to have. To what do you attribute that? I mean, everybody's got smartphones, as you point out. Consumers, especially the younger cohort that is entering the business and becoming the insureds of today, are certainly more tech-savvy than than older generations. Why do you think that is? Well, I think there's still, you know, that you don't know what you don't know. And the questions that they need to be asking, I think for the most part, we're still crossing that threshold from being told what you need from a physician or a medical practice standpoint to having that confidence as a consumer to say, you know, can I really seek out the right type of care and the quality of care and most importantly, the transparency price component. I think consumers are not even aware in some cases that there is tools and information that will allow you to really answer all three of those questions. So I know that we have lots of groups that have tons of tools, as you point out. But do employees not really bother with internalizing them until they have a medical event and then they start scrambling to try to figure out which is the right tool for for whatever's going on in their life? Is that the problem? Well, that's really part of the point. For the most part, healthcare is always perceived as a reactionary 
situation, whether it's going and deciding, hey, you know, it's about time for me to get my physical or if an ailment or a medical condition sends you to, you know, seek out care, it's not something that we're interacting with every day. It's certainly not like, you know, going and searching out or using Google just to get general information. It's really a reactionary type thing. More and more, obviously, we're, we're trying to engage the member. There's been a big push for years and years with wellness. And part of the biggest issue that there was frustrations in the wellness world, certainly it made sense, engage the member, help them stay healthy, help them be preventative in, in nature. But to get them actually to engage and utilize tools that were there for their benefit was a struggle for the industry. So I think your point is well taken for the most part. Members don't really think about it until they need the care. So in many cases, it's the first time or it's a very infrequent use of these tools that leads to them really not being, you know, first in mind or or really thinking about the use of these. Well, our mutual friend Mel Schlesinger says that people like change. They just don't like to be changed. I mean, wellness, in quotes, is kind of morphing now into well-being and Somebody the other day said to me, well, wellness is something that you do to somebody. Well-being is something that you do for somebody. Is part of this a perception that these tools are not really consumer-oriented and not consumer-friendly, and so consumers avoid them? Or is it just a, as you said earlier, you don't know what you don't know? I guess the actual answer is a combination, but what we're also finding, David, is when you talk about consumerism, it has a lot to do with you know consumers realizing that there's a shock factor. Think of the evolution of just deductibles and maximum out-of-pockets. We certainly, over the few years, have seen people move to higher deductibles. Also, obviously, more and more are utilizing HSA plans, plans that really at the, at the core uses the employee to really look for and incur the first true expense. We used to live in a world where $100, $250, $500 deductibles were commonplace. In today's world, those deductibles are significantly higher. So what does that do? That immediately puts a burden on the employee. They're the ones that, although premiums are increasing, the out-of-pockets or that cost to that consumer is significantly increasing. It's not uncommon to see a 5000 deductible these days. Well, think about it. That impacts virtually everything but preventative care. So any type of test that they're going to have, any type of minor surgical expense they have, and those consumers that have experienced that once already are now prepared and saying, wait a minute, if I'm going to incur that kind of expense, I need to be looking to see where that care is coming from. And then the second piece of that is we're becoming consumers that are looking at everything from hotel sites to so on, and we're relying on what are other consumers thinking about, unless you use the term bedside manners, but basically that provider's engagement, the quality of that provider. So they're looking at a different standpoint. It's not uncommon for them to shop for everything that they didn't used to shop for. Things like, you know, hotels, things like airfare, locations, travel, all those things that we're now seeing a commonplace, you know, from a consumer standpoint, it's starting to transition over to our healthcare dollars, which are significantly more, you know, expenses coming out of that employee's pocket. So they have to be engaged in that decision-making of how those dollars are spent. Do I understand you correctly to say that you think that as consumers have more skin in the game, that will drive higher engagement rates? Absolutely. I think that skin in the game is is the key phrase, Dave. That really is, you know, they they have to look at this from the standpoint that these are their dollars, whether they're dollars that an employer is placing in an HSA account 
or their dollars that they're, you know, really going out and utilizing. They want to be, you know, make sure that they don't have, you know, that sticker shock as a consumer. So transparency tools are becoming commonplace. And I mean, I'll, I'll extend the phrase transparency tools or really member engagement tools. We've started to see that happen. Virtually every carrier has find a provider type sources where you can seek out the in-network providers so that, again, employees don't inadvertently go to an out-of-network provider. That's common, you know, pretty common these days. That's table stakes, if you would. But you've got other components now that dive deeper, and that will allow not only a consumer to look at where, from a geographic standpoint, where they reside to what the cost is, but also it'll look into the quality of the care that they're trying to receive. And obviously that second rating is much more difficult. That's truly data-driven, that quality of care. And now a word from our sponsor. Captivated Health is a single source solution for your clients and prospects who are in the education vertical. The founders of Captivated Health have nearly 20 years experience working with educational institutions. And over that time, they've developed a keen understanding of the unique problems these clients experience. Frustrated by a lack of control, the unpredictability of ever-increasing health care costs, and the pressures and regulations of the Affordable Care Act, these groups have been adrift in the fully insured commercial marketplace until now. Captivated Health has built a program that solves those problems, and it does so with virtually no disruption to faculty and staff while saving clients millions of dollars. We wanted you to be among the first to know that Captivated Health is building a national distribution partner network so you can bring this cutting-edge solution to the educational clients you advise. To learn more about the Captivated Health solution, go to their website at www.captivatedhealth.com or click on their logo on the Shift Shapers website. And now, back to our interview. Before we move on to the second part of the equation, let's stay in transparency for a moment. Do you see a day when there's a tool like Trivago or Priceline or Hotels.com, but for medical transparency? It's fun. We're seeing those tools evolve right in front of us. You know, from a standpoint of, of a consumer, the biggest thing is they have to have information. And the data is only as good as the information that it's gathering. We now have the capability through technology to gather data from third-party administrators, from actual claim data for, in some instances, if the employer is large enough from that particular employer, certainly geographic location will do. And all that combined together is now being placed at the fingertips of the consumer. And we're finding that that really is the origin of where we need to be headed so that those consumers' information is accurate. And we've got a lot of players in the marketplace that are really developing and utilizing some really interesting tools from a transparency standpoint. So the tools are out there for today's consumer. Let's call it consumer dot one, where, where they're just learning about the stuff they don't know they don't know. Is it enough to have the tools sitting out there or is there still a degree of some, we'll call it personalized handholding or concierge type services that are necessary to help consumers get to consumer dot two? Well, that's the key. I mean, you can place all kinds of tools out there. And if the consumer, first of all, is unaware of the tool because you haven't done a really great rollout of that information or there's an apprehension or a perception of what that is. 
you know, misinformation is, is, is just rampant sometimes. You give the, um, something like a link to a, a cast light or a fair health or any of these tools, and the member may perceive that as a very sophisticated, you know, site or maybe something that they'll only need in the event that they're going into the hospital, that it's a simple, finding the quality of care, finding the type of physician they need, and ultimately linking in. So what we find is that a, a low level, unfortunately, the statistics show that only about 15% of members actually engage with these tools. But the good news is that the repeat rate is significantly higher. Most consumers will go back multiple times once they identify it. So certainly, it's a matter of taking them and, and making sure that they're engaged. In some instances, Dave, it's holding them by the hand, you know, having the proper concierge service or some type of other access where they're used to interaction. Maybe it's a quick chat box where they're in- interacting with an advocate that can answer a quick question and redirect them right to these tools. So it's a transition right now that's happening in the industry. We've talked a lot about transparency. The other side of the equation is the billing part. And despite everybody's attempts at making better EOBs and trying to get everything squared away, if you have a surgical event, about two months later, you are up to your bippy in bills that don't seem to make any sense from providers you've never heard of, you don't even recognize the names, and you've got EOBs coming at you. And a lot of times for the layperson, it's difficult to get all of those to match up. What can be done to help those folks? We've talked about the the pre-care episodes and at least transparency and pricing and and quality. What do you do on the back end? Well, I kind of chuck when I hear you presenting the question because that's one of the biggest dilemmas. It's it's sometimes it's a simple overstated, but it's vocabulary. We use terms like you know maximum out of pocket, deductibles, coinsurance, and obviously for those of us that have been in the industry, you know we obviously understand what those definitions are. Although I will tell you, some of those are even changing. You know, with things like copayments, um, continue to evolve. What does get applied and does that copayment apply to you to, to your max out of pocket and all the other questions. But it kind of reminds me of, of the family that sits there and accumulates all their bills for, you know, first of the month. Then they sit there with their checkbook to write out all their bills and they're looking at this and saying, where do we start? And okay, let's start with the biggest bill. Well, that in many cases is the worst one because that'll be in this case, let's say a hospital bill. And you have to look through that and notoriously hospital bills, about 90 98% of the hospital bills have wrong CPT codes, have issues with them, and just to begin there is, is a problem. Then you've got the notorious anesthesiologist that somehow showed up at your surgical procedure and happens not to be in network, and he's billing you as an out-of-network. And some new plans now have a separate deductible for out-of-network as opposed to in-network. So certainly, David, it can get complicated. And the reality is that that's one of the frustrations that consumers face. They could be there trying to basically touch every point along the way, pre-authorization, pre-treatment review, staying in network, and so on, and still end up in a situation where basic invoices that may or may not even say, pay me now or wait until you receive your EOB. And they've got to figure out a way to decipher that. That's where the strength of today's advocacy services come in, and they can help someone really navigate through that confusion. And the sense of satisfaction that a consumer sits and can actually feel like they've made headway in that process is tremendous. And ultimately to an employer, knowing that 
an employee has actually had access to that, has not wasted hours and hours of time, and actually recognizes that the money that's being spent in this healthcare program is now being appreciated because they can see that you know, light at the end of the tunnel, certainly from a post-surgical procedure or some healthcare event. One of the things that consumers don't understand also is, you know, you talk about, oops, I got this bill from an out-of-network provider, and maybe it's it's even somebody like a pathologist where I don't even know the name. I didn't even know there was pathology being done. Because of all of these higher personal responsibility amounts, physicians and other providers are sitting on tons of accounts receivable. And Stuff that comes into a patient like that, to a consumer like that, can oftentimes be negotiated, but consumers in a large measure don't even know that that's possible, and they certainly don't know how to do that. Is that something that that they also need help with, and how do they get that? That's exactly one of the biggest unknowns in the industry right now is that folks don't realize the way that network providers understand that there's there's an entire, I'll call it a sub industry there, which is the provider relations and the contracting and credentialing departments for most insurance companies or payers, if you would. And most large employers still seek out third-party TPAs so that they can have those negotiations occur prior to an employee, you know, seeing a physician, obviously. Those contracts vary almost literally fist by office. You could go to almost any medical building to these days and you have three stories of doctors and every doctor on every floor has a different reimbursement. Some may be at 200% of Medicare, 300% of Medicare. And the flip side of that is at the time, they much rather know that they're getting some type of reimbursement than just let their accounts receivables when a consumer is willing to come with you know to a a payment arrangement. Remember, it's not it's not a terrible thing. We get coupons every day. We get discounts. We seek out you know early bird specials. Not to you know downsize or diminish the the quality of care that we're receiving, but at the end of the day, it is a transaction. And just like we would be prudent consumers virtually for anything we buy, we probably put more energy you know, sadly, David, in the purchase of a TV set or a vehicle than we do in the acquisition of our healthcare. And yet, you know, those expenses are as significant in an annual budget. So the consumer needs to know that that's available. But one of the easiest ways to do that is through a good advocacy program that will end up ultimately doing that for them, doing that engagement, knowing what questions to ask of the doctor, knowing how to take a itemized bill and go through it and make sure any errors, you know, from CBT coding is done and ultimately come back with a payment arrangement that the consumer certainly can tolerate and can afford. So that that's happening every day today, more and more when plans have advocacy tied into what their engagement is. Julian, we've only got a couple of minutes left. And one of the things I wanted to touch on that seems to be a recurring theme in, in a lot of our discussions here on Shift Shapers is that the only way today to really drive significant engagement is to have financial incentives around the program. Are you finding that? Is that changing? Is that still the case? What do you see in the industry? I think you see right now a lot of creativity. One of the things that I 
Dave, you know, going back old school, if you think about the healthcare, you've got, you know, doctor, hospital, medicine, and, you know, physicians, certainly we're starting to see, you know, a lot of transparency from a physician standpoint. The second piece that we're seeing a tremendous amount is with the RX and the pharmaceutical side. We're seeing some really interesting savings that are available now for brand name and so on. But to that point, you're starting to see more and more incentives that employers are putting in place. We're seeing, you know, you know traditionally you had, you know, whether it was generic or brand name, you know, a two tier. Now you have three tier and we're even seeing some that are four tier plans. In addition, they're also working towards, you know, additional funding into HSA plans based on engagement. And we see some type of gatekeeper plans as well that will require certain, you know, the old adage, carrot or the stick. They're requiring certain pre-certification or verification of available services. And that is certainly engaging with the member. So prior to incurring a a substantial expense, they have to go somewhere like a healthcare blue book or other source, and that will provide them with hopefully some transparency, some information, but ultimately benefit not only the employer, but certainly the employee is going to see lower out-of-pocket expenses. So everybody wins in that scenario. Well, Reuters estimated recently that healthcare costs could be cut by $36 billion if we can just help consumers make smarter decisions. And so as we go along that path, Julian, we hope you'll come back and Keep us updated on what's going on in the industry. Thanks for a great interview. Thanks, David. Appreciate it. Enjoyed the time with you and your audience. The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of Strategic Vision Publishing and David Saltzman. This podcast may not be reproduced in any form, in whole or in part, without the express written permission of the producers. All rights reserved. 